0: Welcome to Radio Tamboa, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. One of the common scriptures that we will find that has been used and abused by so many people, especially as we read or hear or watch someone's online comes from third John chapter two. It is a very popular Bible verse, especially coming from one of the shortest books in the Bible, and no doubt holding out the ray of hope that most of us long for at a time of such COVID-19 crisis. This verse Uh, Is used very commonly by so many preaching today, especially on social media, whose goal is to remind believers that in Christ Jesus, they have rights and authority to actually enjoy good wealth and prosperity in spite of what is going on all around them. If I may take a time to read that passage and the context in which it is found, then we can see why it is important to understand this passage in its biblical context and why it is important to beware of some of the errors being perpetuated by some of the preachers in the name of speaking hope to those who suffer. This is what it says. To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health, and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So this is Apostle John's letter as he writes to one person named Gaius. And as you continue to look at this passage carefully, you notice a number of things that jump out very quickly. That John makes a prayer for good health. He makes a prayer for well-being. Some other versions will actually even say that he makes a prayer for the prosperity of this gentleman Gaius that he is writing to. Now, as you think about those key words that jump out of the, the sentence, you might notice that quite often, uh, we have different versions of interpretations of this Bible passage. And maybe you have heard not once or twice some of the preachers that have used this as a blanket statement that guarantees uh, wealth and health, especially in word faith preaching circles or people who like to preach uh, the prosperity gospel message. For some, you have heard them take this verse as a guarantee of perpetual health and wealth especially for the christian in fact many have just simply made it a motto or a motion for abundant christian living and many who seek to challenge you about becoming prosperous will quickly turn to third john uh, verses one and verse two some people have made this a foundational scripture for the health and wealth gospel like this we said and according to this teaching they intend to justify the belief that God wants us to prosper both in our health and in our personal wealth. And that God will reward us with these things according to our faith. So to prosper the gospel preachers. If you have faith, you actually have the ability to be wealthy and healthy no matter what is going on all around you. That you can command and declare your healing and your health and it will come to be. And of course, if you think about that for a moment, the reverse is equally true, that if you do not have faith, then poverty and sickness must be your portion or your inheritance. So most of these prosperity preachers would see poverty as both a curse and a sign of weak faith or something that means that you are not even a believer in Christ in the first place. They would quickly challenge you about confessing Christ as your Savior and Lord and exercising your faith as you pray more, as you fast more, as you give more to the man of God. And the more you do that, the more you are able to realize the promise or the decree that is found in 3 John verses 1 and 2, where the Apostle John calls Gaius or prays for him that he may be prosperous and he may be good in health. But if you think about this verse for the moment, and especially compare it with the times we are living in, you probably will see a number of concerns that come up right away. That we are living in a time of a great pandemic that has no respect for believers or non-believers that will attack and affect anybody regardless of your religious background or denomination, COVID-19 does not care how old you have been in salvation or whether you have been fasting and praying more from the prayer mountains. As long as there is contact with an infected person, chances are very high that you will become a victim of COVID-19. And when you are, as you may well know, we still do not have the cure or the confirmed vaccine. So you may get well because of your natural immunity or you may unfortunately lose your life. And as you can imagine across the world, so many people have lost their lives in the last four months. So what is that John 2 really, really about? When John was writing this letter, what was he thinking? What did he have in mind? How can we pick a Bible passage like this? that was written 2000 years ago to an audience far divorced from our circumstances from our challenges from our crisis and still be able to see it for what God meant it to be but also to see principles that can apply directly to us today, that can work for our good, that can make sense of what you and I are going through right now and even more importantly that can build us in our most holy faith for our own maturity and unity as believers, but even more so for the greater good and glory of God. For us to understand this passage very well, we must go back to principles of Bible interpretation, and one of those principles is that Bible context is key. For instance, as we look at this Bible passage, we recognize that it's a letter that is being written from one person to another, that the Apostle John is writing to an individual a gentleman by the name of Gaius. Not much has been described about who this man is, but looking at the context of the passages, the passage we can tell that Gaius was a Christian, that Gaius was a Christian leader that the Apostle John shares with him about the challenges of uh, uh, leadership, shares with him about the danger of false teachers that had come in their midst. He reminds him how he had been hosting some of the preaching visitors in his community and commends him for such a wonderful work. He talks to him like somebody who is in a place of leadership in that church in Gaius's community and therefore a partner and a close counterpart in the gospel. We must also remember that because this is a personal letter that is written to an individual, it is written in a certain way that is in conformity to the customs and the ways of the day. For instance, when we look at verse 1 and verse 2, what we see immediately is not actually a blanket guarantee to prosperity and good health, but actually a standard salutation, a customary greeting, That somebody would offer if they were writing to somebody, especially that they very well know. Even within our context today, if I was writing an email to a friend, chances are that some of the words I might use are likely to resonate with how John phrases his letter as he writes to Gaius. That for instance, I might be saying, oh, hello, my brother in Christ. I hope this letter finds you well. I hope God has kept you safe and sound during this COVID-19 pandemic and that he continues to provide you hope in the midst of these challenges. You can see how I would begin to open my letter, praying or hoping or wishing goodness and wellness for the person that I am trying to write to. Now, if somebody does not understand that that's how customarily we introduce letters in our day and context, somebody might quickly think that I am making a prayer or that maybe I am decreeing or guaranteeing good health and good life to the kind of person that I am writing to. But as we look at this letter closely, we notice that John actually is making a standard greeting to Gaius just as his context would have demanded or expected. That we are called to look at this message, number one, as a letter, and therefore principles of interpreting letters must take precedence over everything else. Number two, that we must look at that opening introduction as nothing other than a standard salutation or greeting that John seeks to begin with as he writes to Gaius and as he communicates whatever it is he is going to be telling him. It is also important, number three, as we look at this letter, that we notice the grammar or the language or the phrasing that the Apostle John uses as he addresses guests. He says, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health. Number one, what we need to see here is that John is praying, that John is making a wish. Control it what we hear from the prosperity gospel line of thinking pre- or preaching or even praying, where they are encouraged to declare and decree things that, they, that must come to pass. We notice that that is not the Apostle John's uh, way of uh, writing. When he does write, he actually says, I pray. Another version would say, I wish. And you see, even then in a normal understanding of prayer, If we were praying, we would understand prayer to mean a a, a beseeching, a way of asking God that he would meet our needs. We wouldn't be coming to God saying, Oh, dear God, I declare and I decree as though God is at our back and call or God is necessarily mandated to do whatever it is we ask him. Prayer means that we have come to request, that we have come to beseech, That we recognize that the person to whom we pray has the 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 prerogative or the privilege of saying yes or no to whatever it is we are asking for. That's what prayer means. That's how we are supposed to approach our Father in prayer. So when John says, I pray that you may, John is actually saying, I wish. I hope that you are well, even at the time of my writing to you. This is not meant to be understood as a command or a decree or a declaration in which Gaius has no option but to become prosperous and rich simply because he read a letter from the Apostle John. Even as anointed as the Apostle John is, he does not have the right to guarantee blessings and prosperity and health through the writing of a letter. We also should see another keyword there. Where the Apostle John not only says, I pray that you may enjoy good health, but he uses that phrase, you may. That John is not saying, I pray that you must, as though his writing was an express command and must happen without any questioning. Even John himself, as he writes, he recognizes that this is up to the will and promise and prerogative of God, who only has the ability to offer good health and wealth to, the, to, to, to this Gaius in question. John is aware, and so he makes his greeting as a wish, as a prayer. He, has, he phrases it as a may, that you may enjoy good wealth, not that you must. And again, we must understand as we approach this prayer that even if John's prayer were to be heard or John's wish were to be heard, it would be coming to Gaius not because Gaius prayed or has enough faith, not because John decreed and declared, but because it was in the will of God that Gaius may prosper in every way prosperity is something that god gives us not because we demand for it or because we approach him in faith and therefore he has no no way to deny us what it is we are asking for but because god number one has already promised to bless his children number two has already proved it by blessing people as we see in scriptures all the way from the old testament throughout the whole of scripture And that every time God blesses, not only does he bless his people out of his grace and love, but he blesses them exceedingly, abundantly, and far beyond what they have even asked for. In fact, he even blesses them when they have not asked. Now, that doesn't mean that we are not supposed to ask as believers. We certainly need to ask God for blessings. But this blessing, this asking is our way of expressing our trust and dependence upon God, trusting that he is faithful and he will fulfill his promises. Our asking does not dictate upon God to give us what we want, nor does it guarantee that what we ask for will actually come to pass. We have to understand that God has the prerogative to bless or not to bless and no man or anyone whatsoever can question him as to why he does what he does because he is a sovereign God and he knows our needs even more than we know ourselves. Now, you may be there and you are saying, well, Pastor Rogers, we hear what you are saying. And if you are saying that 3 John verse 2 cannot be used as a guarantee or a promise for our blessing and prosperity, are you then saying that God is uninterested in blessing his people? Are you saying that believers should be living lives of poverty and sickness and torture and persecution? Is that what you are really saying? And of course you know that that's not really what I am saying. Yes, God wants to bless us. But 3rd John verse 2 is not about those blessings and, and health and wealth, as most prosperity gospel preachers want us to understand it, especially in our current time of the pandemic crisis. We need to understand that while God has promised blessings, and indeed does give them even in our day to day, those blessings do not guarantee immunity from suffering. We see that while god is blessing us at the same time there are challenges and trials we are also going through we still have believers who fall sick from cancer and die at the moment as i speak we just lost a wonderful friend a dear preacher a great man of god who no doubt has brought great change to the lives of many worldwide a leading thinker and apologist dr ravi Zacharias, who passed on due to cancer we have so many others whom we may not even know, whom I might not mention right now, but who no doubt trusted the Lord, were faithful in every way, We are blessed by the way in their ministries, financially, spiritually, and in every way that you can imagine. Yet their lives were also not without challenges and problems, trials, tribulations, and lots of disasters that are common to a broken and sinful world like ours. We must remember that while God will, be, will bless us with good things, we also live in a world where we are going to encounter bad things. And certainly Third John verse 2 cannot be used as a guaranteed immunity against sickness and against poverty. We must also remember that while god is blessing us today and indeed continues to answer the prayers of the saints to bless them that ultimate blessing will not come on this side of heaven that while we are still living in a sinful world we will continue to have problems and challenges we will continue to lack and sick. some of our loved ones who are even faithful believers will find themselves in abject poverty And that this must continue until we finally leave this world. That while God has promised prosperity and blessing, fullness of these things are not realized here on earth, but rather in the new Jerusalem, in the coming heaven, where all those who have trusted their personal Savior and Lord will receive those abundant blessings. We must remember that, yes, God wants our best and plans what is good for us, but these things can ultimately and climactically be received and celebrated in the life after, not here in this broken and sinful world. We must remember at this time the words of Paul as he writes to the Romans in Romans chapter 8, beginning from verses 22 and 25. Listen to what he says. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have been the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently now the apostle paul is addressing the church at rome that is no doubt comprised of believers he has already mentioned that these believers have become children of god and they have received the first fruits of the spirit but even in their current blessings in the church at rome they continue to groan inwardly and to await for the adoption of, of, of god's children to sonship the redemption of our bodies. So what is the Apostle Paul saying? That there is a sense in which we have received some of the deposit blessings of God as a result of being God's children. But while we still live on earth and we have not been redeemed, our bodies have not received final redemption, there is a sense in which we continue to lack in which we continue to struggle and to suffer, to groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. And until then, the picture is not complete. Until then, we suffer. Until then, we experience trials and tribulations. Until then, we become victims of pandemics like COVID-19. Until then, we continue to groan and to look forward to our adoption to sonship, and that is when we will be fully and finally delivered from this sinful world to enjoy God's unlimited blessings forevermore. When we as believers do not understand this, and we subscribe to a theology that guarantees prosperity and good health on this side of heaven. We are likely to find ourselves in lots of in, in serious crises. That when we find things not going well as we have been led to believe, we will be depressed, we will be frustrated, we might even lose our faith thinking that God doesn't care or has let us down. When we believe these blanket statements from prosperity gospel preachers that do not find a firm foundation in scripture or have been taken out of context and abused for their own good and gain, we are likely to think that our Christianity does not make sense or actually does not bring to fruition the promises of God and we are likely to see Christianity as any other world religion that lacks the power of Christ's resurrection and God's sovereignty. But when we are grounded in the scriptures and we receive them and interpret God's promises in the context in which they are meant to be, not only do we understand our limitations and vulnerability as believers, but we continue to see the need to trust and wait upon God, especially in a time like this of this COVID-19 pandemic, where we are worried and distressed and anxious, and we continue to look to God for his deliverance. Even when we are sick, Even when we are we become victims of this pandemic, we continue to wait and trust upon the Lord instead of losing hope. Even when we go through the consequences that this pandemic brings, we continue to remember that this is for a while, it is temporary, that someday we are going to be in a state where our bodies have been fully redeemed, where there will be no more suffering, no more going hungry, no more uh, crying, because as Revelation tells us, The Lamb of God, who sits upon the throne, will take us to the living waters, will feed us on the green pastures, and will wipe away every tear from our eyes. God has promised to make us well. There is a sense in which He is already working in our lives and providing and meeting our daily needs. Yet, we continue to face the realities of a sinful and broken world while we are in this body. But someday, as believers, we live with a hope and an anticipation of the glorious return of Jesus Christ, where there will be no more sickness, where there will be no more sorrow, and the promise of God to finally bring us into prosperity and complete eternal wellness will come to fruition. Until then, we continue to hope, until then, we continue to trust. Trust. until then we continue to be careful and continue to stay safe, to stay home, to stay clean, to follow the guidelines from the Ministry of Health and the government at large, to pray for our loved ones who are in dire need of basic necessities and to provide for them wherever we can especially with today's mobile money and uh, electronic platforms we can find ways in which we can financially support our loved ones our church members who are going through need our doing this is not a sign that we have lost hope in the promises of god it is not an indication in any way that we lack faith on the contrary it is a confirmation that because we believe that our savior has bigger and better plans for us in the future that because He is coming back to finally save us and bless us beyond measure, That's why we live the way we live. That's why we are compassionate. That's why we are generous. That's why we continue to trust the Lord even when all hope seems to be gone. Because we believe that there is light at the end of the tunnel. We believe that our God who has promised will never let us down because he is faithful. And we believe that the glorious return of Christ is soon. And therefore, as we live in honest expectation of Christ's return, we live right We live reverently, we live faithfully, we faithfully stand by the promises of the scriptures, and we long for his return, when all wrong will be righted, when Christ will sit on his throne as Savior and Lord, when the world will bow its knee to his great lordship, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. May the Lord bless you so much as you continue to find encouragement in his word during this crisis. May the Lord give you the gift of discernment that you will not be led astray by the seemingly wonderful promises of false teachers online and on social media today who may be offering empty promises, fantasies and dreams that are not built or established in the sure promises of God our Savior. May God bless you. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.